we are reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. During the season of, of Lent, we remember that to get to the resurrection, we must first journey to the cross. First Baptist Church. We're so glad to have you here in service with us today. We're the Raycheck family. I'm Dan. It's my wife, Kim, our son, Jack. If you would, please sign the attendance book as it's passed. Today is the first Sunday of Lent, the season of the Christian year during which we seek to walk with Jesus on the journey to the cross. It is a time during which introspection and contemplation are appropriate as we are confronted with the cost of our salvation. Let us join together now for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, at the beginning of this Lenten season, we are filled with amazement and gratitude as we consider the gift of Jesus Christ. Please be with us in this service and throughout this season. Deepen our faith as we travel together. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen. Now let us listen to the prelude as we prepare ourselves for worship. <coughs>
Good morning. Please join me in the call to worship. God of the open road, God of the twisting path, God of the narrow and upward way, your people are gathered for worship. In this hour, give us provision for the journey, courage, faith, compassion, and endurance to face any hardship. Open our eyes to see you walking beside us as we begin this Lenten journey. Protecting, encouraging, and loving us as we travel together. We come now to a time of the dedication of babies. And I'll ask the families to come up first, if you will. This is Dixon. Dixon is really dressed up today. He is dressed up. Got a bow tie on. You see his bow tie? And suspenders. Isn't he cute? Hey. You want to look at everybody? You want to look at everybody? Can y'all see him? Yeah. Yeah. Bring him over here. I think he's asleep. It looks like it, doesn't he? I think he's sound asleep. He's a neighbor of ours. We're going to be watching this boy grow up. Of course, he's their third child. Now you're looking at it, everybody. Still wants to go to sleep. Just bundle up and go to sleep. All right, I'll give him back. Okay. I'm going to steal him for a minute. Okay. Had to steal him for just a minute. You want to talk to everybody? Say hey. I asked Cole and Nicole to tell us a little bit about Dixon, and this is what they said. Dixon has such a sweet demeanor and spirit. He loves to cuddle, to be held, to grunt. Can y'all hear his little grunts? To make funny faces and to watch his big sister, Adeline, and big brother, Dalton. Dixon has completed our family, making us the Fannin Five. We consider ourselves blessed to be his parents and are excited to see how God will use and direct him as he grows. God bless you, sweet Dixon. Now I'm going to ask the Whitmers to come up, Ben and Mariah. And they're bringing Margaret Ann, who was born December 7th, so she's really a new baby. She's very content. Yeah. She's been like this all morning, just smiling, feeling. Sleeping a little bit. Can y'all see her? This is Margaret. Say hi to Margaret. She's a sweet Margaret. Their first child. What a joy. What an absolute joy. Oh, she's thinking she might wake up. Oh, look, there's some eyes. 
Say hey. Oh, she's so sleepy. She is waving. I asked Ben and Mariah to tell us a little bit about Margaret, and this is what they said. From birth, Margaret was blessed with beautiful dark eyes and a full head of hair. She loves the mornings and wakes up with some of her biggest smiles. She loves her mommy's voice and gets lots of attention from her furry sisters. Her parents are in no rush for her to grow up, but are excited to see God's plans for her. God bless you, sweet Margaret. I'm going to ask the Fanons to come back up. And if you would join us in the covenant of dedication. God has given you the gift of life. Will you protect and nurture this precious gift, knowing that Dixon and Margaret are beloved children of God? We will help you. God has entrusted you with a magnificent responsibility. Will you raise your children in faith, seek God's wisdom, and lead your children into a loving relationship with Christ? We will help you. We receive these children into our church family to love and to nurture. We will provide them with opportunities for worship and spiritual growth that they may discover their many gifts and how to use them according to God's will. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
That was our own Samuel Urban. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Now invite the children to come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. In the sack, I have a pair of boots. And these were my favorite boots for about two years. I wore them everywhere. So about a year ago, I was at a soccer game, and it was raining. I was watching the game. I had an umbrella. But I kept feeling water in my left shoe. I said, what's wrong with my boot? And so I want you to look and see what happened to my boot. It came loose, right? Oh, come on. It came loose from the sole. Well, do you know there's not a shoe repair shop in Carrollton? Anywhere. No, there's no shoe repair shop. So I was telling somebody about it, and they said, oh, here's what you need to do. You need to get some Gorilla Glue, they said. I said, what? Yeah, they said, get Gorilla Glue. Now, you don't mess around with this stuff, because it really sticks. So I glued some, put some glue on there, and pressed it, and it worked for about a year. It worked. So then not long ago, I was at a soccer game again. It was raining. I had these boots on. I said, man, my foot's getting wet again. And look at it. Big old hole right there in it. I think it's time probably to throw these away, don't you think? Maybe. Yeah, what do you think? Super glue? Uh-huh. Spilled the super glue on somebody's chair. Yeah. And they got stuck in the chair. Yeah. Well, it's pretty good with shoes, too. It works on boots. What I want to say is that God is good at repairing things. I'm not real good at repairing things at my house. But God can repair people's lives. If, if, if people's lives are messed up, God can repair their lives. And we want to help other people get their lives repaired, too. If somebody has problems, we want to help them. If, some, if God helps them, God's there to help them, okay? So we're thinking about the cross because it's so important. And that's God's way of helping us is through the cross. Okay? Let's say our prayer. Lord, thank you that you're with us uh, to help us put things back together when things get messed up. And thank you for being so loving and, and caring. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. Please join me for the litany. Even when we were dead, even when we turned away from the one who had created us, even when we lived in the grip of what drew our gaze from God, even when we followed a path fashioned of nothing but our own desires, even when we wandered far and willfully away, even when we failed to stand in awe, to breathe thanks, even then, God's grace was there. Even now, God's gift of grace through Christ gives us life. Amen.
When I was 10 years old, I had a pup, a puppy named Pup. You would have loved her. She was the perfect pet. An irresistible black and tan, half English Shepherd and half Border Collie. One ear fell over and the other ear stood straight up. She never tired of playing and yet she never got in the way. Her mother died when she was born and old Mr. Griff sent her to our home by way of my daddy. The rearing of pup fell to me. I fed her milk from a baby bottle and would sneak out at night to see if she was warm. I'll never forget the night I let her sleep in our bedroom. We didn't have inside dogs and how she kept my brother and me up all night. We made quite a pair though. My first brush with parenthood. One day I went into the backyard to give Pup her dinner. I looked around and spotted her in a corner near the fence. She had cornered a butterfly, as much as a butterfly can be cornered, and was playfully barking and jumping in the air trying to catch the butterfly in her mouth. Amused, I watched her for a few minutes and then called to her, Pup, come here, girl. It's time to eat. What happened next surprised me. Pup stopped her playing and looked at me. Instead of immediately scampering in my direction, she sat back on her haunches. Then she tilted her head back toward the butterfly, looked at me, then looked back at the butterfly, and then looked back to me. For the first time in her life, I think she had to make a decision. Her want to long to pursue the butterfly, which tauntingly awaited her in midair. Her should knew that she was supposed to obey her master. A classic struggle of the will, a war between the want to and the should. The same question that has faced all of us now faced my little puppy. And do you know what she did? She chased the butterfly. <laughs> Scurrying and barking, she ignored my call and chased that silly thing until it flew over the fence. That was when the guilt hit. She stopped at the fence for a long time, sitting back on her hind legs, looking up in the air where the butterfly had made its exit. Slowly, the excitement of the chase was overshadowed by the guilt of disobedience. She turned painfully and walked back to encounter her owner. To be honest, I was a little miffed. Her head was ducked as she regretfully trudged across the yard. For the first time in her life, I think she felt guilty. She had violated her should and had given in to her want. 
My heart melted, however, and I called her name again. Sensing forgiveness, maybe, Pup darted and jumped into my arms. I always was a softy. Now, I may be overdoing it a bit. I don't know if a dog can really feel guilty or not, but I do know a human can. And whether the sin is as slight as chasing a butterfly or as serious as a mass murderer, we all have experienced guilt. When my little puppy needed what my little puppy needed was exactly what you and I need, a master who would extend loving arms and say, come on, come on, that's okay. We don't need a master who will judge us on our performance or we will fall woefully short. Trying to make it to heaven on our own goodness is like trying to get to the moon on a moonbeam. Nice idea, but try it and see what happens. Pause for a moment. Quit trying to quench your own guilt. We can't do it. There's no way. Not with a bottle of bourbon or the perfect Facebook family. Sorry. I don't care how bad we are. We can't be bad enough to forget it. And I don't care how good we are. We can't be good enough to overcome it. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. Before our prayer time, I want to update you all on the, the Tommy Greer situation. I think most of you know that Tommy was involved in a horrible accident on Friday. He and the family have been at Atlanta Medical Center throughout the weekend. He's been in intensive care there. And probably all you need to know at this point is that they've called hospice and they're looking for a place with an opening for Tommy. Uh, many of you know he's a, a dear friend of mine and this community and this church. Over the years when I've been out on a Sunday, he's the first person I call. He preached here at the end of December on a Sunday and then filled in for me two weeks ago on Wednesday night. He's a wonderful minister, lawyer, mentor, counselor, incredible man. And he's got a lot of family in this church, as you know, his daughter, son-in-law, granddaughters uh, are in this church. And of course, Phil and Leslie Carter and all, they're all in this church. So it's been a horrible weekend. And uh, before our prayer, let's take a moment uh, of silence. Oh God, in the midst of, of life, we're surrounded by death. We see it every day in communities like ours, social media, in the news, 
in the hallways. We see the death of hope, the death of ambition, the death of promises, or the death of those that we love. But we pause to give you thanks for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the cross of Christ, whose message is not death but life, the life of the Spirit, the life of love, the life of justice, life for the meek, life for the broken, life for the newborn, and life for us. Help us to discover during the season of Lent a dying to self, a dying to false ambitions, dying to pride, dying to sin, and a living for Christ. Teach us to live every moment of every day in the life of Christ, remembering his love for us and his living and his dying. We pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Lexi.
Our scripture reading today is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you can find that in your pew Bible on page 949, continuing on through 950. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following desires of flesh and senses, and were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and through our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of God for the people of God.
Thank you. So if I say the name Ted Bundy, what do you think? Evil. He was handsome, charming, nice, people said, smart, and evil. If I say Dennis Rader, what do you think? You say, who's that? Who's Dennis Rader? He was a man who lived in Kansas. He had another name. He gave himself the name BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. The BTK killer was a man who brutally murdered at least 10, maybe more, women over the span of about 30 years. He was 59 when he was caught. He's in prison now, thank goodness. He was balding, wore glasses, looks like the guy next door, looks like just an ordinary guy. He doesn't look like a monster at all. Just an ordinary guy. He was a Cub Scout leader, married, father of two, and a very active church member. I wonder if, if in his church they sang the hymn that we just sang a moment ago, Victory in Jesus. When they sang that first verse that saved a wretch like me, did he think, yeah, that's me. It fits the bill. It fits who I am. And he needs to be saved, of course. Of course, we sang that song. I grew up singing that song. I love that hymn, Victory in Jesus. In fact, I didn't even need a hymn book. How many of you didn't need a hymn book? You just, I know all the verses to Victory in Jesus. Sing it in my sleep. I like you. I like the hymn. But I did, when I was a kid growing up singing that hymn, it kind of bothered me a little bit, that word wretch. I know I'm a sinner. Admit that. I don't know about wretch. I've never been a wretch at church. Those who work with me can tell you that. But I have been a few times at home, and those who know me best can tell you that as well. There's evil in all of us. Every last one of us. So I was visiting down at Tanner, walked down the hall to see a patient in the church. On the right side of the hall was a young, uh, an old man, about 70-something, standing outside a room. On the left-hand side was a young woman, also standing outside a patient's room. And I was about 10 feet away from them. I could hear everything they were saying. They were total strangers. So the woman asked the older man, do you know the woman in that room nodding to the room behind him? Do you know the woman in that room? He said, yes. She's my wife of 55 years. Well, said the young lady, she cried all night for someone named Jerry. The man began to sob. He said, that's me. I'm Jerry. So this young woman went over to that older man, a total stranger, began to comfort him and say kind words and put her arm around him. It was an amazing expression of love from one human being to another one. They almost had me crying. I wanted to go over and give them both a big hug. I don't know if that young woman is a Christian. I maybe I assume that she is. I wonder if she sings that hymn at her church that saved a wretch like me. Is she a wretch? So a little boy makes all A's on his report card. He's so proud of that report card, he's showing it to everybody. Look, I made all A's. Nobody makes an A in Miss Smitherman's class, but look at it. I got an A, all A's. He goes home and he says, his dad says, great, your room's a mess. 
you're grounded. He goes to church and the preacher yells at him during the sermon and calls him a wretch, worthless sinner. Some of you are raised in churches like that because you've told me that. And the preacher had you for lunch every Sunday, and he took great delight in having you for lunch. If you tell somebody over and over again every Sunday that they're wretches, worthless sinners, they in fact might grow up to be a worthless wretch. If you put that in the memory bank, it's there. It's hard to take it out of the memory bank. So what do we say? Do we sing the hymn? I like the hymn. Is it a hymn only for the serial killers of the world, or is it... For that fine young lady down at Tanner, is it for me and you? How do we view ourselves as worthless wretches? Do we believe that? Should we? I love a line from the book Just Mercy, the book we're going to study in the month of March. Brian Stevenson uses this line. He says, we are better than the worst thing we've ever done. I'll give you a moment. What's the worst thing you've ever done? Whatever it is, you're better than that, okay? You're better than the worst thing you've ever done. The Apostle Paul could have written this hymn, Victory in Jesus, uh, in Ephesians 2, when the hymn says, wretch. It's the same thing Paul says in the beginning of, that, of that verse, those verses that Christopher read to you a moment ago. He said, you're all dead. You're dead in your sins. It's like Paul was down at the morgue at Tanner with the, with the body. You're all dead. You're dead in your sins. And he goes on to say, you're children of wrath. It's not a compliment, I don't think. But that's not the end of the passage. If you listen, as Christopher read, he begins that way. But then he transitions to say, we're saved by the grace and the goodness of God, not by our works. And thanks be to God, Paul says. So another story is that we're God's masterpiece. That's where Paul goes with the text at the end. We're all made in the image of God. I try to say that a lot to you because some of you don't believe it. You don't believe it because as you grew up, people that you respected and loved called you wretch. And that got in your head. And for that to get out of your head might take a minor miracle. I want you to believe that you are God's masterpiece. So a children's minister was working in vacation Bible school out in a small church out in the country. And she had a, a pretty good group of kids. They were all about 10 years old. They were all pretty good kids except for one. He's the kind of kid that as VBS approached, you kind of hoped he might get chicken pox. Of course, you'd pray for him, for sure. He's a little hellion, you know, and the minister wasn't sure that even God could love that little boy. So the minister sends the class outdoors, says, why don't you go out during the recess and collect some object that reminds you of God. So they did. They brought him back in. One kid had a rock. Said, God's strong. That's good. I like that, she said. Another one brought back some berries. Says, God feeds the little birds. The minister said, that's, that's really good. I like that. Another one brought in some flowers. Say, God is beautiful. Great answer. When it came time for this little hellion to display his, she thought he'd have a sharp object and threaten the class. Instead, he said, I brought my little sister. 
He said, "Uh, I brought my little sister. You may not know this, but God has a repair shop. He took some two-by-fours and built a little place where broken lives can be mended and broken spirits and broken homes can be fixed. All of us have something inside of us that reminds others of God. It is called God's image, but in many of us, many of you, that image has been badly marred. It's been warped by years of neglect, years of abuse. We need that repair shop. If you could look inside all of us, you would see on the one hand the image of God, but also a sinful nature, all of us. Are we all made in God's image? Yes. Even the BTK guy? Yeah. Are we all sinners? Yes. Even that compassionate young lady that Tanner? Yeah, we're all, we're all sinners, all of us. One of the BTK profilers said that when they catch this guy, they'll find a mask of normalcy. He'll look normal on the outside, but on the inside, not so much. Reminds me of one of my favorite Old Testament stories about an obscure king named King Jehoram. There was a severe famine in the land. All the crops were dead and they had nothing to eat. People were dying by the hundreds and thousands. It was a national emergency. FEMA had been called in. The king went out for a walk. Two women were on the road lamenting their plight. They were weeping and wailing for what was happening to their family and their loved ones. They were desperate. And they unloaded on the the king all that they were feeling. The king responded in an act of despair and sorrow and anger. He ripped open his kingly robe. He was wearing a king's suit. But on the outside, he looked like Superman. He wore that to impress people. But beneath the kingly robe was another robe one of sackcloth, the universal symbol of sadness and and sorrow. He ripped off his public suit. Beneath that was another suit. Beneath the public suit we all wear was another suit, the wretched man that I am suit, the sad and sorrowful, troubled man that I am, oh, wretched man that I am. Do you know what else this beautiful hymn says in verse 2? I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. Insert the cross there. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. Then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. That's the gospel message, folks. Some of you have been lifeguards before. You get like training to be a lifeguard. They say the worst thing a drowning person can do is keep thrashing and trying to save himself. For the rescue to take place, the drowning person has to trust the rescuer. What our hymn today teaches, and it's what Paul teaches, is that we all need rescuing. We all need saving. Even the best of us need to be saved. A middle-aged lady worked in in a motel in a small southern town. She cleaned the place. It was a quaint place, beautiful old hotel. For some 20 years, she cleaned that place every day. It was the same every day, a mop and a bucket. Her hair in a bun, she wore an old work dress. Every single day, a mop and a bucket, hair in a bun, 
old dress. She wiped the table. She dusted the chair rails. She kept that old place looking spotless. She shined that chandelier. She made that place gorgeous. Every day is the same. Her boss was a mean boss. He would call her, you wretch. You need to go clean room 12. And by the way, you missed the spot, he would say. Occasionally, while cleaning on her hands and knees and, and signing those floors, some kids would drive by and blow the horn and yell at her bad things to her. Same thing every day, 20 years, mopping bucket, hair in a bun, old dress. Then one day it all changed. A man came in. He was a handsome man, well-dressed. He said, excuse me, uh, I'm looking for Charles Kimball. You know Charles? My, this is a beautiful place. Wow. This is spectacular. I don't know who cleans this place, but it's amazing. These floors and this chandelier. Do you know Charles Kimball? I'm looking for a friend, Charles Kimball. My, look at this place. I wonder who cleans this place. If I ever need a hotel room, I'm going I'm to stay here. This place is fabulous. That night, she went up to her room, as she had done so many times before for 20 years. This time it was different, or she was different. She let her hair down and out of that bun and began to comb her beautiful hair. She took off that old dress, put on a beautiful yellow dress. She hadn't worn that dress in years. She put on a dab of perfume. She looked in the mirror for the first time in years. She liked what she saw. You know what happened, don't you? Somebody reminded her that she is made in the image of God. She is a child of God. And now recreated in Christ through the forgiveness of sins. She now has what I hope all of you have. That is victory in Jesus.
stand up here with me, if you will. Uh, many of you know Amy, uh, daughter of Cleve and Kathy Entrican. And Amy's been attending our church for a while, wanted to make it official and join our church and transfer membership here. And we're delighted for her. And it's going to be her church home. And we're going to be her church family. She's going to continue to follow Christ here and grow as a Christian in this church. And Amy, we're happy for you. Thank you. If you'll have a seat. I'm going to ask her daughter, Ellie Kate, to come up here. They came by this week, and we had the most delightful visit getting to know this girl better. She's plugged into our youth group. Christopher's a good friend now, a role model for her, and she's delightful. She's in the eighth grade at Carrollton Junior High School. Can't wait to go to Carrollton High School next year. She'll be great. She'll thrive at the high school. She loves music, loves band. That's her friend group is in the band. Uh, she's got a big heart, loves people, cares about people, and it is a delight to get to know. What a joy we had the other day in the office visiting. I enjoyed it very much. And she's coming to be baptized, professor of faith. And we're going to baptize her in two weeks on March 15th. So we look forward to that. I know you're happy, and you're happy about both these decisions. We welcome people into our church by saying amen. So say it with me together. Amen. amen. Thank you. If you'll have Carmen, okay? We'll ask both of them to go with Carmen to the apartment room at the end of worship. I want you to come by and shake their hands and, and congratulate both of them on this wonderful decision. We'll now receive our morning offering. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we have entered this season of Lent, we know what is to come. Your Son will make the ultimate sacrifice for us. He will carry a cross, a burden, for us. We are humbled that you love us enough to send your Son to us to carry that cross. Help us spend this Lenten season in reflection of our shortcomings and our blessings. Please guide us in the decisions we make, the decisions to serve others, decisions to grow in our faith, decisions between want and should, and decisions to support our church. Allow us to show others the image of you inside of us. We ask all of these things in your precious name. Amen.
want to extend our condolences to Kevin Drummond and the death of his father this past weekend. The funeral will be this coming weekend. He was a wonderful minister, retired, uh, so loved and respected. It was for many years at Garden Lakes in, in Rome, known around this state as a, as a great minister. Uh, I wanted to say another word about Tommy Greer, who preached here the last Sunday of December. And when I'm out of the pulpit, I usually try to stream the service, and I couldn't that morning. So after lunch, I'm texting our staff, how was church? They said, great. They said, all said, you got to hear Tommy's sermon. So when I got to a place where I could, I listened to his sermon. His sermon that day was about telling your story. Whatever story you got, you got to own your story. And your story has the power to change people's lives. He told some of his own story that day. It was, it was a powerful sermon. And, and so uh, anyway, we, we, we love, love Tommy so much and grateful for his ministry in this community. Speaking of saints in this church, the flowers behind me are in memory of the late Jackie Gingrich by her daughters, Kathy and Jackie. And if you didn't know Jackie Gingrich, well, you missed something. She was a saint in this church and a wonderful lady, and we miss her so much. We'd like for you to join us tonight for our book study. We'll be across the street at the place upstairs at 6 o'clock. We're going to study the book Just Mercy. I read it last year, and it just touched my life in ways I can't even put into words. And you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not a reader. I haven't read it. Come anyway. It doesn't matter. We'll summarize each chapter for you. You'll be able to get into it. We'll have some good discussion. Hope you'll come to that each Sunday night in March. We'll watch the movie that's been out recently. We'll watch that at the end of March together. Now I'm going to ask the fans to come back up here. Will you please? We've got a Bible for Dixon and a beautifully framed certificate for you to keep to remember for this day. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it is. Isn't it? Yeah. So proud of you. Love you all. Love all your kids. And God bless you. Uh, the Whitmers will come back up. Ben? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I understand. So here's a, a Bible for Margaret. Thank you. And a beautiful certificate as well. Isn't that a great picture? I love it. Awesome. It's awesome. God bless you all. <laughs> proud of you. So it's the season of Lent. I didn't grow up with Lent. It wasn't a part of my upbringing in church, but I've come to believe that I cannot really experience Easter fully until I've been through Lent. So it has great meaning for me. We had a great crowd at the Ash Wednesday service this last Wednesday night. And we're not afraid to talk about the cross. We think we need to. Occasionally it's important to the life of, of any church. And so we talk about it. And on the cover, I hope you notice on the cover is the crosses. In the bottom right-hand corner is our little turtle, you know, his flash. He's headed to the cross. We're going to get there eventually. It'll take us a while, but we're going to get there with Flash. Hope you can make it to all of our Lent services. Great to have you today. Thanks for being here. Would you please stand for our spoken benediction? Then sing with us the last hymn. 
as you depart from worship day, remember that you are made in the image of God. You're the crown of God's creation, that God loves you. And share that message with everybody you meet. We're a people called First Baptist Church. Caring people, sharing God's love.